Hello and welcome back to Black Summit's Market Commentary Podcast, where we explore current market dynamics and forces shaping global economic, geopolitical, and financial developments. My name is Eleni and this is Ethan. Welcome back. Last week, we discussed the commentaries that were released by Black Summit and focused on the effects of inflation from the 2008 crisis compared to what we are experiencing today and what to expect. We also talked about the various supply shortages and labor shortages across the country. We ended by covering a few international events that are happening, including new digital passports and the U.S. tariff threat on digital services. I wanted to start off with something I read in the weekly market update. The U.S. Senate passed the U.S. Innovation and Competition Act. The bill seeks to invest more than $250 billion into the U.S. research and production of technological innovations and components. The bill passed with amendments with a bipartisan vote 68 to 32, with 19 Republicans joining Democrats to approve the bill. Now it is waiting for approval by the House before President Biden can sign it in. The amendments that were adopted would create additional funding for the production of key tech components, such as semiconductors. Other amendments would create additional safeguards to keep China from getting their hands on U.S. research and technology. Most of those amendments for safeguards were tabled rather than being passed. Senator Rick Scott spoke about an amendment to add these safeguards. He said, communist China steals U.S. technology and intellectual property every chance it gets, and the Senate's $250 China bill does almost nothing to fight it. I believe we can all agree that the U.S. government should take action to compete with China. This bill is specifically designed to counter China's new five-year plan to advance its research and production capabilities. China has experience in stealing America's intellectual property. So suppose we plan on putting $250 billion into more research, more innovation, more production, without adding, according to what Senator Rick Scott expresses, the necessary safeguards to keep China's hands at bay. Does that make the bill's purpose null and void? Are we, in a sense, giving both conflicting parties the same advantage over each other, but only at the expense of one party's taxpayers? Are we confident the funds will be appropriately managed so the bill will make strides in the direction of its goals of competing with China? Of course, Ethan, I agree. Those are some very interesting points we'll have to keep in touch with. Um, And with that said, $54 billion of the act will go specifically towards production and research into semiconductors and telecom equipment. Semiconductors have been in short supply globally for several months, and China produces about 30% of the world's semiconductor chips. This additional investment would play a major role in solving the global semiconductor shortage boosting the U.S. technology sector's global influence in the tech race against China. What makes this very interesting was that this comes after China revealed its 14th five-year plan, which focuses on productivity growth, adding additional investments in technology innovation, and setting an emphasis on reducing carbon emissions. 
China is also continuing to tighten its technological links between countries via their Belt and Road Initiative. Rachel Poole says in her latest commentary, the day after in the area of transformation, China's efforts to reduce dependency and strengthen partnerships is also driving China's larger economic agenda to boost self-sufficiency. As much as China is competing with the U.S., so should the U.S. counter China. Interesting. I would have to read into it. Particularly, this bill will benefit companies such as Texas Instruments and Micron Technology, who designs and manufactures semiconductor chips. The act also seeks to implement new sanctions targeting Beijing, commissions a study on the origin of the coronavirus, and calls for a diplomatic boycott of the 2022 Winter Olympics held in Beijing. Wow, that sounds serious. We'll have to keep in touch with this topic and see how it develops. What I found really interesting in the commentaries that we released last week was called Bundling and Unbundling, written by Joel Harlembachus. This commentary discusses the business model, the conglomerate, where companies would acquire companies to diversify their set of businesses to build access to a broader set of investment opportunities. Studies show that conglomerates were regularly discounted by 13 to 15% compared to their peers, which caused a downturn in conglomerates in the last few decades. Conglomerates might have been perceived as a liability in the past, but they could be helpful in the future. We have seen some of the biggest changes in advertising. Previously, all advertising was dominated by cable TV and newspapers, and recently there has been a great amount of unbundling in the advertising industry. Users are flooded with more advertisements than they ever were with simple TV and newspapers. You're right. Information can be found on Google, and YouTube can be used for educational purposes. All your sports needs can be fulfilled by ESPN, and all of these platforms make money through advertisements. Snapchat is a social app, but also has ads and sponsorships. Advertisements are everywhere, and it's almost as if we can't shake them. Exactly that. Another area where we have seen a significant amount of unbundling is in the financial industry. Services that used to be all a part of a bank are beginning to separate, like peer-to-peer payment, point-of-sale systems, financial advice, payroll, mortgages, digital currencies, and investment tools. By all means, digital experiences were enhanced during the COVID-19 pandemic, and the transmutability of data sets up the possibility for the return of the conglomerate. I want to close with something that Joel said, and I thought was very interesting. He said the zero marginal distribution cost of the internet age means reaching potential customers from different cohorts and segments is easier than ever before. And armed with first person data, building new bundles that weren't previously imaginable is undoubtedly possible. Will it work? Who's to say for sure? Who would have thought you could create a communications business on infrastructure provided by a company that will also ship whatever you want to your door in two days? It can be believed that those are more exceptions than the rule. M&A of related industries are complex enough and tangential businesses are more complicated. 
completely disparate offerings require a unique blend of culture, discipline, patience, humility, and vision. Yeah, I loved how Joel closed that commentary up. It's very interesting, and it's definitely something to think about and look out for. Well, this concludes the market commentary with Black Summit. To learn more or get in touch, visit our website, blacksummitfg.com, or our Facebook page, Black Summit Financial Group. This podcast is for informational purposes only and should only be relied upon for investment decisions. The views mentioned do not reflect the views or opinions of Black Summit Financial Group. Clients of Black Summit Financial Group may maintain positions in securities discussed in this podcast. We do not recommend any securities or options mentioned, nor is this a research report or investment advice.